0: things that I don't see to wrap myself
1: around you for a while Hey before you go looking at your phone asking the question am I listening to the right podcast yes you're listening to the right podcast and we have a special treat for you today. A couple of years ago, my wife and I went to a concert and there was a band that we just fell in love with. And now that this podcast has been going pretty well, I'm getting a little bit more ambitious. I'm not so nervous to reach out to people that I am excited to talk about. And so this band is called Dead Horses. The singer's name is Sarah Voss. And when I heard about her story, I knew I had to tell it. So I'm excited for you to hear all about Sarah Voss and dead horses. Hey, we have our Jesus Never Ran sponsored TDH virtual, again sponsoring this episode and I am so honored to have them on board with what we're doing. Here's the thing, huge pet peeve of mine is working out around other people. But the problem is, I'd rather work out in my home but I often don't have the motivation to do it. That's where TDH Virtual comes in handy. You get the benefit of the community without leaving your home. You can do yoga, you can do all sorts of dance classes, you can do your exercise from your house and have a community surrounding you. That's the absolute best of both worlds. Make sure you check them out today at www.thedancinghouse.com and start your free trial today. I'm not gonna lie; I, I hesitate to start talking because that means I have to stop listening to the music. So just, just give me a few more seconds, okay? Just a few more seconds. All right. Well. Sarah, in some ways, is just living the dream, right? So many people desire to be a musician for a living. And Sarah and Dead Horses are actually doing it. And so I just wanted to hear, how did you get here? How did you get to this place where you're living out your dream?
0: I grew up uh, in a very religious family. And um, church was a huge part of my life uh, at home and at school. Um, and a big part of that was music, um, whether it was hymns or singing psalms, um, being in choirs. And that was always, um, you know, probably my favorite thing about going to church was, was getting to do a lot of music. So it was something I always liked. And, and both my parents are, um, are very musically inclined. Uh, my dad was a pastor and, uh, my choir director actually at church and my mom, played organ and, um, and yeah, they definitely helped instill, you know, quite a love of music in me, although just something too innately I always wanted to do. Um, but yeah, I did a lot of music in high school. I was in, in an all girl band called ocean view and, uh, and did a lot of singer songwriter stuff. And then I went to college and I, I wanted to be a teacher and in college, I didn't, I didn't play out a lot. But I did uh, go to a lot of shows uh, in Milwaukee and saw a lot of musicians. And I, I kept thinking to myself, you know, how do I do that? That's what I want to do. Um, but never did I really dream that I would be doing it. Um, a few years into college, uh, I kind of just suffered a, a bit of a breakdown um, for a lot of reasons. But I had to drop out of school. It was all very sudden. I had to drop out of school and move home for a little bit. And, and at that point, I met uh, Daniel Wolf, who is my musical partner now, uh, bass player. I met him and a few other guys, and they were playing music. And and I was at a really, you know, probably the darkest point that I've experienced in my life. And I've it felt hard to go to the grocery store or to go to the library. But when they invited me to come play music with them, I was like... Definitely. I definitely want to do that. So I started playing with them and, uh, the first couple of years, it was really just playing and playing in bars and playing at farmer's markets. Um, and I think it was once we, you know, it, it took a while for it to grow. And once we started recording music, I really realized, you know, this is something that I could actually really do, uh, and really invest, uh, my life energy in and invest, uh, yeah, my, my life. Um, so I started doing that. And then, uh, so since then, um, it's been quite a cool journey, always making progress, um, as musicians and as a business and as a group and meeting a lot of people and traveling. And I get caught between days where I feel like I've been doing this forever. And then other days I feel like I'm just a baby just getting started I have a lot of songs and records and and shows and tours in front of me, and always kind of trying to remind myself that um, that even though it's it's a good challenge and fun to want to grow and better yourself, that it's it's also important to appreciate the moment. And there's always going to be people telling you that you need to you know you need to sell more tickets, but I've really been trying to slow down and, and enjoy things where they're at because it is pretty fun that, um, that I get to be a part of this project and, you know, it's it's definitely a collaboration, but in many ways I'm getting to, to live out my dream.
1: A lot of times we hear people playing or we hear their music and we don't hear the backstory of it. You know, if we listen close enough in some of the songs, we can often hear it, but I don't know if you caught that about Sarah, but her story really starts, her music career really starts at this low point in her life when she had to drop out of college. So this is Jesus never ran and we don't mess around. So I asked Sarah if she was willing to dig into that a little bit deeper.
0: I've really learned to talk about this. Um, the record that we put out last year called my mother, the moon. Um, we really focused on kind of my, my personal story in that. And so I've had a year to kind of figure out how to talk about this stuff, although it is still kind of challenging, but, um, On good days, I feel like, you know, hopefully I'm. It's I'm being courageous, and you know, I go to at shows. People walk up to me, and they're like, "Man, I really, really relate to your story. Thank you so much for sharing." And then, of course, sometimes it's it's a little difficult because it is it is a complex story, and everybody's story is complex. And I never want to, you know, speak poorly of my family, but um, essentially. Um, you know what happened to us and I don't want to speak poorly of the church really either but what happened to us was really unfortunate when I was in high school um, my family was for lack of better words really kicked out of the church Um, my family was struggling financially and um, two of my brothers were struggling with mental illness and the church itself was struggling they were struggling with attendance and Kind of think they needed someone to pin it on, and it got pinned on on my dad. So we had to leave the church, and that was really that was really that was really hard because it was it was my whole life up until that point. Um, and then in the midst of that, dealing kind of with the chaos of what mental illness can bring to a family, and uh, struggling even with my spiritual beliefs uh, because I was raised uh, in a really a kind of a fundamentalist um, background. And that's not to say that, um, you know, that I was, it was lax in a lot of ways, but in a, in a ideological way, uh, fundamentalist in the sense that, um, things are kind of black and white and, you know, the Bible is, is the word of God. It's kind of literally interpreted, interpreted and, uh, something like being gay, for example, is, is very wrong. And I'd say in college, when I kind of had my, my breakdown, I think a lot of that had to do with uh, trying to find my way with what I believed about the world and my perspective and also largely um, accepting my sexual orientation as being, um, if not gay, you know, fluid and wanting to experience a relationship uh, with a woman and being, feeling like that kind of uh, wrecked my world view. Um, and, but not being able to really repress those feelings anymore. Um, and as, as well as a lot of doubts that I had about the the faith that I grew up with. Um, and it just felt like you couldn't, it felt like if you took one piece out of that, the whole thing collapsed. And what I realized is that's not, that's really not true either. Um, I think that everyone's journey is, is pretty individual and specific. And I, I still have a lot of respect for people who practice, um, any kind of religion, uh, really. Um, but that, that was just a, for whatever reason, that was difficult for me in particular. I think, you know, I grew up with friends who maybe just didn't take it as seriously. Uh, maybe it was a bigger part of my life because my dad was a pastor, you know, I'm not sure, but, I definitely hit a point at young adulthood where um, it all kind of caught up to me and uh, maybe you could call that fate in a weird way <laughs> because if that hadn't happened, you know, I certainly wouldn't have met Dan. I wouldn't be playing in dead horses. Um, I I might be married with kids, who knows? Um, but it's, I, I like sharing that part of the story because I think it's really cool that uh, and maybe a little cliche too, but um, what started this incredible journey really was uh, some difficult days and, and I'd, I'd love to at any point remind people when they're going through hardship that oftentimes that births you know the best the best change and the best things.
1: This is the point where so many people get caught up. They have a really difficult situation like Sarah did and they let that derail them for the rest of their lives. I'm a big believer that when challenging things happen, it's not for us to ask why, it's for us to ask what? What am I going to do with that? Am I going to let it ruin me or am I going to let it change me and use it as a catalyst to do something incredible with? Sarah's got some great perspective on this
0: well it's it's funny because I think a lot of people relate to this when you're the things that the difficult things that happen to you when you're growing up you can spend your you know your early 20s working through them and maybe you know getting some therapy and stuff and then what I found is that you work through them and then a little bit later you have to work through them again it's like these things kind of come back in cycles because they're so, integral to to like the forming of your personality and who you are so I would say I still you know I struggle I think the thing I feel uh, saddest about is is uh, my brother who suffers from schizophrenia um, that's just you know that hasn't really resolved in a way that I feel is is satisfying <laughs> by any means um, but still a struggle. But I do feel like, as I've grown older and i'm I'm thirty one now. So it's been ten years since I had that kind of mental collapse. Um, I think the cool thing is, and I would encourage a lot of younger people, too. like the cool thing is you build a toolbox to deal with uh, the cl- conflict that you're gonna face in your life. And when I look back at my you know my teenage self or my adolescent self, uh, all the things that were happening in my life, it's like, they would be hard for anybody, but they were particularly hard for me because I was just I was young and I had been I did have like a really safe childhood up until then. So I didn't really have tools to cope. And uh, in the last 10 years, I feel like I've um, and, and in the years since all that happened, I've I've had time to really build tools and grow and dis- grow discernment to uh, to kind of deal with uh, to realize how to deal with things. Um, and music is a big part of that. Uh, being able to express, um, myself through art has been, you know, one of the most healing things that, uh, I've had.
1: So many incredible things that Sarah said there, you know, one part that stuck out to me is when she talked about that it it keeps coming back, that when you have a struggle in your life that you keep having to deal with it. I'm I remember talking to one gentleman, this was years back, and he told me, you know, I had a horrible time growing up with my dad and my dad was very abusive and still is a bit abusive to me today. And he said, the challenge is that I've forgiven my dad, but I don't know how to keep forgiving him. You know, it's one thing to forgive somebody that you're never going to see again. It's another thing to be able to forgive somebody that is still in your life and is still doing things to hurt you. And even if we take Sarah's example of this example of of a situation that happened to her earlier on in life, the ideas and the thoughts keep coming up. So you could ask the same question, well, how do I handle that? How do I deal with that? We call those grief bursts in my family. How do you handle those grief bursts when they come, when that thing that hurts you so bad just rises back up in your heart? And Sarah hits it right on the head when she talks about having a toolbox. That toolbox can look different for everyone, but I can certainly relate to that idea of using music as a help. Did you know that if you're struggling emotionally or if you're having a bad day, this is crazy, this is scientific knowledge here, but if you listen to slower music, your heartbeat will actually line up with that music and it will help calm you. I mean, music is this amazing tool that we have. And there's so many other tools. We have the tool of friends and family. We have the tool of just, you know, Taking a walk, enjoying nature, whatever it is for you, just know that you have it. And when you're struggling with whatever that thing is that's welling up and trying to keep you from doing what you know you want to do, make sure that you dig into that toolbox and use whatever you need to overcome it because your life is too valuable and we can't spend too much of that time looking over our shoulder, looking in the past. We need to spend plenty of our time looking forward. And in order to do that, we need to be prepared for when those things well up in our heart. I can think of various times in my life when there was like this realization that I can actually do this. I remember the first time I thought about it with Jesus Never Ran. I was turning into a little bit of a podcast junkie and I started to think about myself and and what I could offer and I started to think, "You know what? I could be a podcaster." And it changed so much. I mean, it changed the trajectory of my life as I know it right now. So, I wanted to hear a little bit from Sarah when that moment came for her.
0: I think it came from really enjoying doing it, enjoying every time, you know, getting up at like 9 AM to play at a farmer's market outside unplugged or whatever. We enjoyed it so much and, and you know, we were all friends. Uh, and then kind of like turning the next page to uh, working really hard and playing pretty much, you know, anywhere that would let us play for almost any dollar amount. And a lot of shows we would play, you know, we would have to bring in a full PA, set it up, run our sound, play for like four hours, tear it all down. You know, we'd do that several times a week and um, we didn't mind it cause we just liked doing it so much. Um, and then it kind of turned into being more of a creative thing on the business end too, where we got creative about the way we were booking ourselves Um and the way that we were traveling, um, and then I, I'd say the next step was was starting to build the team, working with a manager, um, working with a booking agent, uh, so that we could just keep doing the business end more efficiently. And that also allows, you know, time um, for for me or for Dan or for the players to uh, have more time to be creative and and work on their their craft. Um, but I'd say we're still totally in a stage where we're working our tails off and we're really invested in the project because we like it. And because, you know, we believe in it and kind of working to get it to a point where, uh, maybe we are a little more comfortable or maybe that point will never come. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, enjoying it and working really hard. I, I think that's, and, and I, I have to definitely bring, um, my partner, my musical partner, Dan, Wolf into the, this conversation because, uh, working with him and he and I have been in it since day one. Um, and there have been a lot of other players that have come in and out of the project and that some of those things have been actually pretty, um, you know, devastating when people would leave. Um, but Dan and I have, you know, we've just always been there and, and I appreciate him so much because I think he is, you know, really patient and forgiving and has very little ego, um, works very, very hard and is just, he's just a blast to work with. So that's, I, that's partially what's made our, our project flourish, I think is our, our chemistry together. And currently perseverance wise, you know, we're doing a lot longer of tours and we're gone from home a lot more. Um, and kind of just, I guess for me right now, I'm always just trying to think of ways to be healthier. Um, and kind of trying to move with the the flow of things because things are always evolving. And part of me always naturally really wants to, even in a kind of a philosophical way, I always want to find like a, a solution, like a, like an equation. like if I do this and this, then this will happen. And, you know, it's just the truth is that is not how life works. You know, you might do, one thing one day, and something happens, and you do the same thing the next day, and something else happens, and uh, and I am trying to learn how to be more accepting of that and just
1: just go with the flow. We spend a lot of time talking about how to work your way towards your dreams. One thing we haven't addressed a whole lot is how to handle the success when it comes.
0: Well, for a long time, I thought about I thought about it in terms of of ego, kind of even in a spiritual way, you know, ego being, um, that ego is the same thing that's telling you you're not good enough is also the thing that's making you, you know, really arrogant. Um, and that's been part of my journey. Another part of it has been, you know, honestly, we play these shows in Wisconsin and it it might be a sold out show and, you know, everyone knows all the songs, but, um, you know, not to, not to tell any secrets, but most of the shows we're playing out on the road are, you know, are definitely not big shows. And, you know, if it's ours and we're just kind of working our way up. So I think for every aspect of what we do, that kind of strokes our ego a lot. uh, In in my opinion, there's just as many things that happen that, you know, kind of knock you right down on your Yes. Um, so that that kind of I think just keeping perspective is is really good and uh, remembering that that I'm I'm very blessed to be a part of the project.
1: Perspective is the great equalizer. Whether you're really struggling, it's good to stand back and have perspective. But also when you're being very successful, it's really important to have perspective. It keeps you centered. It keeps you grounded. And it keeps you reminded of what's truly important it's not about success it's about making a difference hey i'd re- be remiss if i didn't ask this question because i bet a lot of you are thinking about it dead horses a little bit of a strange name right so i wanted to ask sarah where the name came from because with just about every band name there is a story
0: the name of the band um came as uh was named in in memory of uh A friend who had passed away of a heroin overdose, actually, Um, horse horse being slang for heroin. Um, And this was, you know, this was quite a few years ago. Uh, I guess this would have been, see, we've been doing this since 2010. So this was nine years ago um, when the opiate epidemic was not nearly as full force as it is now. Uh, and we kind of dodged that question for a long time, the uh, whole name question, uh, but more recently have been kind of making a point to talk about it because it is so serious. Um, and I've, I really feel strongly that uh, removing the stigma is, is the first step, one of the first steps at um, you know, trying to get better as, as a people because it's really, it's really affecting everybody a lot.
1: Sometimes you're in the middle of an interview and you just know you're, you're listening to something really special. And that's definitely how I felt talking to Sarah. Everything in her life is just laced with such meaning. Some of it really hard, some of it really great, but all of it just thick with meaning. And it reminds me that every part of my life has such a potential to make a difference in what I do. You know, my reaction to my wife or my kids can have a profound impact on what I do for a career. The hardships I go through can define how I move into my future. The key is that we have to allow them to do that. And when I think about Sarah's story, I really sense a high level of vulnerability. We have to open ourselves up to feel the hurt, to feel the pain, and also to feel the joy and feel all the goodness that comes with life because we can channel that all into whatever our passion and whatever our dream is. And so my biggest challenge just listening and hearing and talking to this fabulous person is that we allow ourselves to take all of our story to become our passion and that we don't leave pieces out just because it was hard or just because it was hurtful because sometimes those are the things that make everything so special. So my final question for Sarah was just simply what is the voice of dead horses? What defines what you do?
0: I think that the main message of, of our music is um of empathy, you know, love and compassion, um even even though there's a lot of raw kind of honesty about uh different struggles. Um but I th- I think the underlying thing that you'll get in our songs or at a show or just hanging out with Dan or me is is uh, some values that I really believe in. and 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 I think that makes a difference. Love it grows. It grows, it grows like seasons the.
1: For Sarah Voss, walking like Jesus means allowing our hardships. And our disappointments and our sadness to be turned into beautiful artwork. It means being okay with the fact that her dream started at the lowest point in her life, and in trusting that because of the authenticity that she brings to her art form, that people are going to be impacted. Because walking like Jesus requires a sense of rawness. You can find more about Dead Horses at their website, www.deadhorses.net. And of course, you can find them on Facebook and listen to their music anywhere great music is found.
0: How I wish my fragile human hands were there to hold her when she cried. Cause you are strong enough.
1: Hey, if you need a little help getting from where you are to where you want to go, make sure you check out the Walking Club at WWw. Dot Jesusneverran.com. The Walking Club's a video series that will help you turn your story into something that matters in this world. Next time we hear an incredible story about a couple who are making a difference in this world by erasing other people's past.